You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. What's happening? Spain and Fitz. Happy Tuesday evening. Hump day just around the corner. This is ESPN Radio presented by Progressive Insurance. No Spain, no Fitz tonight. Instead, you got Ronan and Carter. Jordan Ronan, Drew Carter here filling in for Spain and Fitz. If you want to call the show, 888-SAY-ESPN is the number. 888-729-3776. We got a lot to talk about tonight, Jordan. We've got cut day in the NFL. You cover the Giants. You're dialed in. We'll get into that. Busy, busy day for you and all the NFL Nation reporters. Potentially Kevin Pelton joining the show later on to talk about R.J. Barrett's big, massive new deal to stay in New York. Also talking live golf, college football, and of course, everyone's favorite topic on cut day. What's going on with Jimmy G in the Bay Area? We'll get into all that here on Spain and Fitz. Again, call the show 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Follow Jordan on Twitter at Jordan Ranan, R-A-A-N-A-N. Follow me at Drudel25, Drew, D-L-E-2-5, Jordan. That's got to be the first time you've ever co-hosted with someone whose Twitter handle is harder to spell than yours. Is that accurate? Yeah, Drudel, you know, I, we have like a, a Zoom link, and I had a, when you said it, I actually just popped it up to go look at how that's spelled. Yeah, yep, Drudel25. <laughs> uh, Amber Wilson last week on Canty and Carlin was giving me a hard time about that, made it in middle school. Yes, Twitter existed when I was it, in middle it, school. It does kind of have that kind of feel to it, I'll ha- I have to say. You know, like, you know, you're, you're, uh, like you're drawing on a piece of paper and something <laughs> you, and th- this is what you came up with a, a Drudel. Hey, look droodle. at my droodle. A droodle works, yeah, like a toaster droodle. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, if, if you have any recommendations on what I should change my Twitter handle to, you can tweet at me using at droodle25 for now or call the show 888-CSPN, 888-729-3776. So, Jordan, big news of the day in sports, cut day in the NFL. These teams are down to 53 guys, a lot of the time down from huge roster numbers to get down to 53 you know, you cover the Giants, so we can yeah. start there if you want. But what stood out to you from cut day in the NFL? You know, the, there wasn't a lot of huge names cut. I mean, Josh Gordon kind of, you know, with the Chiefs is one of the more notable names. Uh, the Raiders got rid of another high draft pick, Alex Leatherwood. That that kind of caught my attention. With the Giants, it's that Darius Slayton's still on their team, at least for now. We'll see if that changes. But, you know, they got a lot of receivers kind of, was kind of lost in the shuffle. I mean, this is this is a guy who had two years ago people thought was going to uh, be a number one slash probably like a two a quality number two receiver, and he's fallen down the Giants depth chart this summer. And uh, you know, I'm I'm surprised that he made the team. In the these are, these are not the final cuts, by the way, Drew. Yeah, these are the initial cuts, right? Because right? like the Giants, first of all, I mean, with their roster, I mean they're going to make waiver claims out the wazoo. And have like six or six or seven new guys by the end of this week, right? So Darius Slayton on that wide receiver depth chart. I mean, who is the number one for the Giants? Is it is it Tony? That's a good question. Yeah. The thing with Tony is he's never on the field. Right. The dude never plays. He's always got something. I mean, last year it was always something. He was always banged up or injured, uh, COVID twice, wrong size cleats. You, you name it, the guy the guy had it. You know, like. He's one of those guys that seems to – you know how, like, there's those people like you're, that there's always drama around him. Something always happens to him. Like, he's that guy. And it, it's never, like – it's not by accident when those kind of people have all kinds of stuff around them, right? There's always – it's always something about them. Like, Odell Beckham was one of those guys. I covered him. 
Right. Always something with Odell Beckham. Funny story. He actually, before he even played a game, he had to address a fake fiance. Like, we should have <laughs> known at the time that he was one of those guys. And that, that's Kadarius Tony. Like, there's always something around him. So, yeah. It's either – if he plays, I think he's the number one receiver. Kenny Galladay I have serious concerns about. And then Sterling Shepard's coming off an Achilles tear. And Wondell Robinson's a good-looking second-round rookie. But he's a rookie. So, I don't know. If it's not Kadarius Tony, I have a hard time selling on anybody else. Yeah, right. And, and the Giants, uh, the offense has not inspired a ton of people in the offseason. Uh, new coaching staff, that's exciting. But outside of that, not a whole lot of excitement around them. Drew, the bar is so low. Yeah. They averaged 15.2 points per game last year in the, like the NFL in 2022. Yeah, Jordan, that would have been good in like points. 1915, like when the yeah. forward pass was when barely they, even a yeah, thing. Yeah, didn't know how to throw. Right. Exactly. So what stood out to me is what the Raiders did. Uh, you might have seen they cut Alex Leatherwood. Mess. My goodness. He was their first-round pick, and not a late first-round pick, I might add. No. Mid-first-round, 17th overall last year in the 2021 draft. Vegas cuts him, and – our colleague Field Yates points this out on Twitter. Uh, it doesn't take a guy as smart as Field to notice what's going on in Vegas, but the previous front office, you talk about swinging and missing in the NFL draft. Listen to their first-round picks from the last three years. So Alex Leatherwood last year cut one year into the NFL. Uh, 2020, a couple guys, of course, with off-the-field issues, so you can't really pin this on the front office, but – Henry Ruggs III and Damon Arnett, you sort of can. I mean, that's, that's something you'd hope you'd you realize. That's why you go and do background checks and you, character is a big deal in this league. You have a lower chance of these of incidents happening with players. Right. So both those guys cut after the 2020 draft. Uh, Cleland Furl, what, I think I'm saying that right, 2019, fifth-year decline. Yeah. Josh Jacobs, fifth-year decline. Jonathan Abram, fifth-year decline. Those were their three guys from 2019 when we thought, hey – you know, the Raiders. And Trayvon Mullen was just moved to the second round there in that year, right? Exactly. So, so it's what a just, mess. I mean, Mike Mayock, pretty good on TV, not very good in the first round of the draft the last three years. Can and I say Vegas one fans thing have to be happy that he's about not there this anymore. real quick? It's yeah. amazing that they're still a pretty good team. Like that, that regime was such a mess, but somehow they're still pretty good despite all these ridiculous mistakes. Yeah. They should be pretty good this year. I mean, a lot That's of people I mean. are high on them. That's what I mean. Their roster's like, overall, their roster's still pretty good. We have high expectations for them, so crazy. Right. And, and you got to give them a lot of credit for getting into the dance last year, considering everything that, that went on with that team. Uh, so that's what's going on in the NFL. We'll talk more about cut day later on in the show. Of course, Jimmy Garoppolo, probably the biggest news from the league today. He is staying in San Francisco on a super reduced contract for this one year, and then they'll figure it out uh, after this year. But – Maybe the biggest news in sports, Jordan, is potentially the greatest athlete of all time, Serena Williams, playing at the U.S. Open. She wins her first-round match, 6-3, 6-3. She sets up a date with the two-seed Annette Contivate on Wednesday. So tomorrow night, Annette Contivate, the two-seed. Better Serena. you saying that than me, by yeah, the way. Yeah, yeah. I, I just went for it. You know, you got to say it with conviction. You said it, yeah, very confidently. That's that's what it's all about. Just like your last name, Jordan. Just got to say Ron on and keep it yeah, rolling. Yeah, whatever you go, you just, you know, I'll, I'll nod and we'll, we'll move on to the next one. Yeah, so Serena, now if this is the end, and we don't know that it's the end, she was asked about it. She said, yeah, I've been pretty vague about it, right? I'm going to stay vague because you just what never know. But we that's don't know. Weird. We don't know if this will be the end for her. But we do know that there were over 29,000 fans in attendance 
last night in New York. And for Serena, that's pretty cool to see. was really overwhelming um it was it was loud and it was it was um i could feel it in my chest and it was a really good feeling um it's a feeling i'll never forget and so i really um yeah that meant a lot to me it's awesome Twenty nine thousand four hundred two fans on the grounds i saw that's the night session record it's a first round match we're talking about jordan this country yeah. and the world loves Serena Williams. Even I, you know, I know one of the Giants players, Julian Love, was there with his with his wife last night. Like, it's a it's a scene. It's an event you want to be at. Like, oh yeah, I saw Serena's farewell. If it's it is in fact her yes. farewell. That vague part is just. I don't even know what to make of it. It's very very strange. I mean, my if everyone's gonna serenade you, can you at least? <laughs> Tell us that it's this is your last hurrah. Dude, 23 Grand Slam wins. She I can guess do you can do whatever you want. You can do yeah, what you I want. guess so. I guess so. Yeah. But, yeah, no, it's an event, man. Everybody wants to see it. And, look, I'm not the biggest tennis fan. Like, I'll definitely watch tennis, especially when the majors get down to, like, the quarters and semis and finals. But for me to want to go watch in a first or second round match, uh, e- even if it's Serena Williams, like, yeah, that, that it just shows it's a sports event at this point because of her greatness. Yeah, and her greatness. I mean, if she if she's not the greatest athlete of all time, you got to make a pretty compelling argument for somebody else. Uh, Twenty three Grand Slam wins, most of any tennis player. It's it's almost like it's hard to compare individual sports to team sports, but basically combine the dominance of Tiger with the longevity of Jack in golf. That's kind of what Serena has been to tennis. So, if yeah, this, plus the, the societal you know element to it. Yes, you know, of her and her sister just basically changing the sport the same way that Tiger Woods sort of changed golf a little bit. Her and Serena, I think, added that to tennis and brought that in and brought about change in a, a very positive way. No doubt. So if it is the final run for Serena in the U.S. Open, do not miss it. We're covering it here on ESPN. She plays tomorrow night at 7 o'clock against the two-seed. So we're all going to be pulling for Serena, I think. Apologies Uh-oh. apologies to Annette Contivate if she's listening to ESPN Radio right now. Uh, but plenty more news to get to today, including in the NBA, R.J. Barrett. Getting that paper, four years, 120 from the Knicks. We chat with an NBA expert about R.J. Barrett. Coming up next, ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance, a triple threat of protection with home, auto, and more. Visit Progressive.com. Talking R.J. Barrett next here on ESPN Radio. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. ESPN Radio, Spain and Fitz on a Tuesday night. Thanks for hanging with us, Drew Carter. Jordan Ronan with you. Filling in for Spain and Fitz. We've talked about cut day in the NFL and Serena Williams. Busy day in sports news, including the fact that R.J. Barrett is now one of the richest people in the tri-state area. Four years, a buck twenty mil, according to Woj, is his new contract extension with the New York Knicks. Jordan, I mean, you're a New York guy. You're in North slash South slash Central Jersey, <laughs> according to you, Taylor Ham. You, you didn't like that Central Jersey. Yeah, I told I just, you where I told you I was from. You, said, you thought you thought that you were told there's no such thing. I was lied to. Somebody, someone's lying to me. That's the key. Is It's either you, Jordan, but I trust you. You seem like a nice guy. I, I, I think it was the people. But who, I live here. Yeah, right. So what I was told was that it's either North or South Jersey. You can't really be in the middle because you're either on the New York side or the Philly side, right? It's true. I mean, Central Jersey where I live is in, still in New York's Manhattan suburb. Yes. So I came but up. we just live by the shore. 
you know, like the Jersey Shore, like you, you saw on MTV, like that. That's real. That 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 part of like society really exists. <laughs> Were you that's ever on that show? Thing. No, but I definitely did some of the things that you know <laughs> when I was younger. Like granted, twenty years ago, like that's what it's like to go out at some of those places that still exist. By the way, like that's exactly what it's like. Nice. Now yeah. I imagine when people aren't doing that kind of stuff, when there's no debauchery going on, they're just discussing R.J. Barrett's new contract extension with the of Knicks. Course. A lot of Knicks fans in that area of the country. What What do you get as the temperature of Knicks fans on this R.J. Barrett extension? I think most Knicks fans are are want, like R.J. Like they want the homegrown guy like to be their next star and. You know, there more people are on the R.J. Barrett. Like, I'm lukewarm on R.J. Barrett. Like, I think he's a good player, a really good player. And that people are like, oh, he's young. Like, I think you know pretty quickly when a guy is going to be a superstar, right? Like, you, like nobody's like, oh, John Morant's really young. He, he's going to develop into a superstar. No, you, the guys that are that good are usually that good pretty early. So, like, to me, R.J. Barrett's a really good player. You know, he'll make a few all-star teams in his career. He's not a but he's not the perennial all star, the perennial you know the the big time superstar. Yeah, he could score and he probably his scoring average is probably higher because he's on a team that didn't have a lot of scorers on it last year. But to, so to me, I'm like lukewarm on it. I think most people are on board with yes, we need to build around this guy. We can't get rid of this guy, even if it's for a trade for Donovan Mitchell. When in my opinion, who's the better player? Who's likely to be the better player going forward? It's mm-hmm. Donovan Mitchell. And so as a Knicks fan, I'm so jaded that until they get a big superstar, like I don't want to believe anything is good because you, you have no shot until you have the real superstars, right? Yeah. So where are they getting him? And now is R.J. Barrett that guy? He's now getting $30 million a year. You know what's bizarre, Jordan, is if anyone should be a polarizing player, it should be R.J. Barrett, right? I mean, number one recruit in his class over Zion, goes to Duke, plays a year there, goes to the Knicks, we're talking about opinion cauldrons. Yeah. Like you should everyone should have an opinion on RJ Barrett, but I feel like the the overwhelming opinion on the guy is what you just said. Most people are lukewarm on him. I mean, he's a a 20 point per game scorer who's 22. But every time we talk about RJ Barrett, it's in the context of the guys he's not. He's not Zion, he's not John Morant. Those two guys went above him in the draft. He's not even Darius Garland, who got maxed out, and he was the fifth pick in that. This isn't R.J. Class. Barrett's fault either, Exactly, Drew. right. Like, if he was on a team and they had, I don't know, let's say that he was on, like, the Heat and he had, like, Jimmy Butler alongside him or something like that, you wouldn't be sitting here, you know, nitpicking R.J. Barrett. But because they don't have that star, now we're sitting here nitpicking R.J. Barrett. I wish that weren't the case as a Knicks fan. Right. Yeah, it's it's probably not fair. I mean, the guy's had a pretty solid start to his career. Now, granted, yeah. he was sub 41% from the floor last year. Not the greatest shooter. So not the greatest shooter. Pretty inefficient, but flip side of that is this guy is carrying a team when he's he's 21. So, luckily for him, he's got a little help in that department from a ball handling perspective. Obviously, you know, Julius Randle can do a little bit of that and then Jalen Brunson coming over, but I think if you're a Knicks fan, you got to worry about the fact that you are shelling out, and you don't have an elite player. Like, Randall, Brunson, and Barrett, are any of those guys top 25 players in the league? No. I mean, it's not even like a flinch. It's not even a hesitation. No. It's right. just no. It's like an absolute no. 
And you're so that's Knicks where fan. I'm worried. Until until I see a path to a superstar and a real real stars and like guys that you build a championship team around because in the NBA more than any other league, that's what it's about. It's hard for me to believe it's going to happen. And in the bigger picture, we're sitting here saying, how did that R.J. Barrett deal? Like, what does it mean for their chances now of getting Donovan Mitchell? And it appears now it's just only become a little bit harder for them to now pull off a Donovan Mitchell trade, which is what essentially we're all sitting here as Nick fans and you're waiting for, like, get us Donovan Mitchell. Like, he's not a top 10 player in the league. But he probably does. He does fall, in my opinion, in that top twenty-five category that you're talking about. Yeah, and you know, Knicks fans don't like consolation prizes, and it sounds like R.J. Barrett is kind of that for the Donovan Mitchell trade. You mentioned Woj talking about the impact of this R.J. Barrett extension on potential Donovan Mitchell talks. Here's Woj. That's going to reset these Donovan Mitchell uh, trade talks with New York. They could still put Barrett in a deal. Uh, but there's something called the poison pill provision, some salary cap gymnastics that makes it harder uh, to structure a deal. It would have to look different than what they were discussing. But, you know, the Knicks and Jazz had gotten further down the line really in those last 48 hours than they had really over the first five, six weeks of those talks. Put yourself in R.J. Barrett's shoes. You just sign a four-year potential $120 million contract. It's generational wealth. You've made it. And then Woj comes out and says, well, it's a poison pill. <laughs> yeah. Let me tell you, you know what would make me feel better if I were him and I was in that situation and you, you, you're starting to feel bad? The fact that you just made $30 million a year. Like, that's what yeah. you're about to make. So. Right. You know, that's a nice, it's like Scrooge McDuck. I'll go, I, you know, I, that's a, such an old man. <laughs> Who? But it's like. This duck who goes and he goes and dives in the golden coins and he swims around in him like that's what R.J. Barrett could do when his feelings are hurt. Right. Yeah, he's going to be okay. And, you know, we're talking about kids. Look up Scrooge McDuck. Google it. <laughs> I've actually I've seen Scrooge McDuck. I've seen that gif on Twitter. I know who you're talking about. But we know that Woj is <laughs> is talking about the poison pill provision, not necessarily saying this is a poison pill for the Knicks. But nonetheless, you're shelling out a lot of money to Barrett, Randall and Brunson. And I don't know if Knicks fans are going to be super stoked about that. Coming up, we got to talk about college football and live golf. The number two player in the world has defected to live golf. What does that mean for the PGA Tour? We will tell you next. This is Spain and Fitz. Drew Carter and Jordan Ronan filling in on ESPN Radio. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and Sirius XM Channel 80. Drew Carter, Jordan Ron on with you, filling in. 888-SAY-ESPN is the number, 888-729-3776. Huge news out of the golf world. And to break it all down, we bring in ESPN senior writer Mark Schlebaugh. Big news, Mark, is six golfers defecting from the PGA Tour to live golf. All of them in the top 100, including Cam Smith, number two in the world, reigning open champ alongside Joaquin Neiman, Harold Varner, Cameron Tringale, Mark Leishman, and Anurban Lahiri. Mark, this feels a little different than the guys we've seen leave earlier who were sort of has-beens and washed up. This is way different. What does this mean for the PGA and for Liv? Yeah, I mean, as Billy Horschel told me Sunday at the Tour Championship final round at Eastlake, I mean, it's the biggest blow because Cam Smith's 29 years old. He's in the prime of his career. He won the Players' Championship. He won his first major at the Open, and he's a really popular player among you know his fellow competitors and, and fans. He's got the mullet. He's got personality. 
in the prime of his career. And we've seen guys like Ian Poulter and Lee Westwood and Sergio Garcia, Phil Mickelson, others who were kind of in their, you know, mid to late 40s or 50s go. And you can kind of understand it. But, you know, Cam Smith and, and Dustin Johnson, two guys in the prime of their career, they're probably the two most significant guys in terms of, you know, competitors on the course that, that have uh, defected. Thanks for joining us, Mark. I'm curious now, like, what's the PGA Tour's reaction? Like, you think they're starting to really feel the pressure now that they see, and, and at some point, you know, they're going to sort of give in on their uh, their total anti-live stance and, and have to work with them at some point? I don't think so. I mean, they, they Jay Monahan, the PGA Tour commissioner, came out last week in Atlanta and announced that, you know, the top players had committed to play in 20 events. That's going to include 13 elevated events, which have elevated purses with an average of $25 million. Um, you know, back in February, I, I was at the Genesis Invitational at Riviera in L.A. back in February, and the PGA Tour rolled out guy after guy, star after star, saying that they were staying with the PGA Tour. And at the time, it was like the, the PGA Tour was a little bit in denial that this was a serious threat, but Live Golf has gained momentum over the summer, picked off some former major champions like DJ and Brooks Kepka and Bryson DeChambeau and Patrick Reed and others. And I just wonder if they had made these changes back in May or June and taken the threat seriously, if guys like Cam Smith and, and Joaquin Neiman would have left because Cam Smith, guys, is is the one that really surprises me. Again, he's in the prime of his career. He's a really competitive dude. And I just, I mean, I went to the Live Golf event at Pumpkin Ridge in Portland um, earlier this summer, and it just, it's not the same competitive nature as, as PGA Tour events. And, you know, Cam Smith, Mark, we've known for weeks, it's been rumored that he's going to live. Yeah. I actually give him a little credit for, not lying. I mean, he was always deflecting about his defection to live, but he never straight up lied, even though we all knew he was going to live. Even after the Open Championship, someone asked him, what are your thoughts on the live tour? And he didn't want to talk about it then, but now we know that, you know, there was some fire behind that smoke. I'm interested in what you said there about, you know, the Pumpkin Ridge event and the competitive level is just not the same. Could it ever get to the level of the PGA Tour or do the rules around this circuit with no cuts and only 54 holes kind of preclude that from ever happening, no matter who goes. No, nah, I mean, look, if Scotty Scheffler and Justin Thomas and Jordan Spieth and Rory McIlroy, if all those guys decide at some point they want to go to lift off, which I don't think is going to happen, you know, then, yeah, it's it's legit. But, you know, I mean, with all due respect to Henrik Stenson, Brandon Grace, and Charles Schwartzel, who won the first three events in the U.S., you know, the first three live events, you know, those guys hadn't won on the PGA Tour five, six, seven years. Um, I just think, you know, I agree with Tiger Woods. I agree with Rory McIlroy. When you're getting $100 million to $200 million up front, you don't have much of an incentive to practice and really put in the work, you know, to compete over 54 holes, whether it's 54 holes or 72 holes. But, you know, I, I, I will give Cam Smith credit for something else. He came out today. Um, talked to a guy from Golf Digest, a, a writer who's from Australia who he's known for a long time, and flat out said, look, it's the money. Harold Varner III posted a statement on social media, said, I came from nothing. Um, you know, it's money. I've set up my children and my grandchildren and 
Varners of the future mm-hmm. financially to do everything they want to do. And I give those guys credit because until now, it was basically David Faraday was the only guy who said he went to live golf for money. The players who've left it said it was about growing the game and everything else. So I, I give Cam Smith and Harold Varner credit. Well, let's uh, make a transition here to another sport that's pretty much all about the money, college football. We are finally in week one, Mark. Uh, there's a lot of marquee matchups. What stands out to you? What are you What are you intrigued to see? Yeah, I think my offseason lasted eight hours. Um, <laughs> you know, I, this first week, um, you know, the, the two big ones, Notre Dame, Ohio State, we know Ohio State's loaded on offense. I think they've got three guys, the receiver, Trevion Henderson, the running back, uh, C.J. Stroud, quarterback, who was a Heisman final la- finalist last year. I think any of those three guys could end up in New York as Heisman Trophy finalists. You know, can they stop anybody? Uh, Ryan Day let Kerry Coombs go early last year as his defensive coordinator, brought in the guy from Oklahoma State who did a great job there, really turned Oklahoma State into a uh, – Big 12 contender. Um, if they can stop people, I think they're going to be really difficult to beat. Alabama, um, you know, got Bryce Young, the, the best quarterback in the country, best offensive player in the country. Will Anderson, best defensive guy in the country. Um, how much better is their offensive line? I mean, it was shocking to me a year ago that Alabama ranked near the bottom of the FBS and in, in sacks allowed and Tackles for loss allowed, so they got to get better up front. Brought in Anthony Steen from Vanderbilt, an offensive tackle who's going to be a really good player for them. Um, you know, Georgia, Oregon is the game I'm going to be at in Atlanta. Georgia's got to replace 15 guys who were drafted in the NFL. I talked to Kirby Smart last week. I was in Athens yesterday. Met with Stetson Bennett. You know, he's going to have to shoulder more of a load on offense. They're going to have to score some points while the defense kind of gets its footing, but they've got Jalen Carter and and some other dudes up front that I think are going to give Oregon some fit. So those are the those are the main ones the first week. Well, the first one you went to there was Ohio State. The team up north for them, Michigan, has been mm-hmm. embroiled in a little drama of its own. Not quite the level of Liv versus PGA Tour, but Cade McNamara versus J.J. McCarthy. Who's going to start for this team? Jim Harbaugh said we've made a decision, and then later on in the statement, he basically said we haven't made a decision. That's the decision because one of these guys starts one game, the next guy starts the next, and then we'll figure it out heading into week three. What have you made of this latest Jim Harbaugh headline? Um, I pulled out my Bible and started reading Solomon. <laughs> it's uh, biblical. It's a biblical. It's a biblical decision. Um, I mean, I get where he's coming from, and you know they play Colorado State. Who do they have week two? They, they've you know got a couple. I wouldn't call Colorado State a cupcake, but they've got a chance to figure out what they want to do. And I, I give him a little bit of credit for settling it on the field. Um, you know, they lost a ton. I was at the Orange Bowl last year when when they played Georgia, and you knew after like one or two series, if not earlier, that that wasn't going to be much of a game just because they were getting manhandled on both lines of scrimmage. But um, you know, we'll see how it shakes out. But, I mean, I th- I think Ohio State head and shoulders above everybody else in the Big Ten and then Michigan and Penn State and maybe Michigan State right there behind them. But um, it'll be interesting to see. I, I mean, I remember Steve Spurrier alternating series between not two but three quarterbacks, and it didn't turn out well. And I've, I've never heard of anybody 
starting one guy the one guy one game and another guy the next to determine how it goes. So it'll be interesting to see for sure. Michigan has Colorado State, Hawaii, Connecticut, and Maryland Hawaii. to get oh. themselves to get themselves Murder right the first right. four weeks there. So I think I think Jim Harbaugh yeah. will figure it out. I think he probably factored that into the equation. Yeah, what? watching Hawaii uh, Saturday night against Vanderbilt, I think uh, I could probably start at quarterback <laughs> Michigan. Well, Mark, before we let you go, we joked about the biblical thing, but did you find out what he was saying by that? Like, what did Jim Harbaugh mean by this competition is biblical? You know, I I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I think that's the right answer. I'm not, I, I'm not, I'm not a uh, I'm not a theologian. I'm not a biblical scholar. But um, I mean, look, he's going to sell it on the field, and if they don't play better than they did against Georgia in the Orange Bowl, they probably need to pray a lot. <laughs> Good stuff, Mark Schlebaugh, most versatile reporter at ESPN, covering golf and college football here on Spain and Fitz, Mark. Thanks for joining us. Good luck with uh, the non-off season you never have. Thanks, guys. Have a great week. Thanks, Mark. All right, that's Mark Schlebaugh joining us to talk golf and college football. Coming up, we're talking NFL again, and Jimmy G remaining with the 49ers, but is that the best move for the team and the incumbent Trey Lance? We'll discuss next on Spain and Fitz. Drew Carter and Jordan Ronan filling in on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. ESPN Radio, Spain and Fitz, presented by Progressive Insurance. 888-SAY-ESPN is the number, 888-729-3776 if you want to call into the show. He's Jordan Ronan. I'm Drew Carter. Follow us on Twitter, at Jordan Ronan, R-A-A-N-A-N, and at Drudel25, Drew, D-L-E-2-5. A lot of people don't understand why that's my Twitter handle, just like they don't understand why Jimmy Garoppolo is still a member of the San Francisco 49ers as we stand here today. Most people, Jordan, expected him to either get cut or traded before this cut day. Mm-hmm. But instead, Garoppolo and the Niners have agreed to a restructured one-year deal worth $6.5 million in base salary, fully guaranteed. That's according to Adam Schefter. It contains a no-trade and no-tag clause plus 500K in roster bonuses, bunch of incentives here. Playtime bonuses can boost the value by another nearly $9 million. So Jimmy G was slated to make almost $30 million this season. Instead, the base salary is 6.5. So he was about to get cut, though. He was about I to mean, get cut. He was going to get cut. That was the alternative right and now, that's, right? And that's got to be the, re- the reaction is that all of his leverage was gone. <laughs> and gone. The, the Niners said, basically – it seems like no one wants to trade for you. Uh, no matter what the Niners have said, you got to look at the actions here. Um, and it seems like they were either going to cut him or try to trade him. When the trade partner didn't materialize, they were probably going to let him go. And so they restructured. And Jimmy G spends another year in the Bay. But kind of surprising that he's sticking around, right, Jordan? Absolutely. They had made a decision. And, and Kyle Shanahan was pretty clear about this to move on. There's no doubt. But then... When you think about it, it makes a lot of sense to me because if you can keep him for this price, if you did have that leverage and he was willing to take this, right, and, and take this price, which is, what, $6.5 million basically, that's it, so they're fully guaranteed? Correct. So now you have a starting quarterback on a rookie contract, a backup quarterback for $6.5 million, which isn't crazy, especially when he has a track record like Jimmy G, and it's a good contingency. Let's say Trey Lance gets injured. He got injured last year and he barely even played. 
Like, so now you have a good contingency plan. They didn't really have a good contingency plan before. So as long as Jimmy G was willing to accept this role, which originally I'm sure he wasn't, like that's not what he wanted, but the more the landscape started to take shape, they saw an opportunity and it worked for both sides, and here we are. I think the Niners are better for it, don't you? Totally agree. Kind of weird, though, because reports out of San Francisco have been that he's not even been in team meetings and he's practicing off to the side. It's totally bizarre. Well, they thought he was gone. Yeah, I mean, I but think everybody was working under the impression that he was gone. Also, I think it kind of flies under the radar, part of like the no leverage thing. Everyone just wants to toss out the window. The dude had elbows. Was it elbow or shoulder? Elbow, right? Yes. So he had like surgery on his arm. Right. Couldn't right? practice for a long time. That's why they couldn't trade him in yeah. the spring. So you, your value is definitely a lot lower because, you know, you just underwent surgery on your throwing arm. It was the back of his shoulder. 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 shoulder sorry. So yeah. he, here's the thing, though. He, he's apparently healthy now. And ever since he got to San Francisco, let me just throw throw some numbers out here. The team is 35 and 16 when Jimmy G starts and 8 and 28 when someone else starts under Kyle Shanahan who got there in 2017. Since he joined the Niners, Jimmy G's yards per attempt is above 8.3, which is best in the NFL over that span. So that's the good news. The flip side of that is you could say, well, why have they why do they have so many games where he hasn't started in the last 4 years? It's because he has really struggled to stay on the field. He's missed 25 starts over the last four seasons. All of this pointed out by Nick Wagner, our great 49ers reporter here with ESPN NFL Nation. So a little weird to me that they were so ready to move on, but that's not what we're talking about anymore because they made that decision months ago. Really, they made that decision when they took Lance at three after trading up to get him. But I, I'm just kind of surprised that they're keeping him around and, and they couldn't find a way to get more cap relief than this, um, although it is a lot of cap relief going from, from 27, 28 to 6.5 in base salary. Because I just feel like, Jordan, if if Lance goes down or if he's bad to the point where you'd have to put Garoppolo in there, mm-hmm. you're kind of screwed anyway, right? Like, I've always felt this way about backup quarterbacks. Yeah, they're important, but if your guy is injured, it, it kind of feels like you're capping your upside if you're spending a lot of money on the backup. But is it really a lot of money? It's six and a half million for a quarterback. I mean, they're probably paying. I don't have the number in front of me exactly, but let's say they're paying Trey Lance on his rookie deal. You know, five million. Like, let's say they're paying him ten million, which I, I know they're probably not even that. It's probably not even that much. You're talking about sixteen million for your quarterback position. There's teams that are paying forty million dollars for yeah, their quarterback team. position. So, yeah. So. I don't even I don't even think you look at it that way and say, well, we're spending so much money. I mean, Tyrod Taylor is the backup with the Giants, and he's five and a half million. So six and a half million really isn't even out of line with their normal, you know, run of the mill backup quarterback. It's actually a bargain for the 49ers at six and a half million dollars. Yeah, pretty incredible considering that he he's gotta be the best backup quarterback in the league now, right? Yeah, I think so. He's definitely up there. I mean yeah, Tyrod Taylor was near the, near the top of that list. I certainly think that uh, you know Jimmy G is. But again, we're not, you're you're talking like Jimmy G is still exactly what he was beforehand. We don't know that. Yeah, we haven't even seen him really throw the ball or play in a game since he had shoulder surgery. So 
I think it's a little bit of a stretch to think he's exactly the same quarterback that he was pre-surgery. Right. And, and by the way, Tyrod Taylor might not be a backup quarterback for very long this year, I think. <laughs> Stop with the Daniel Jones. Hey, poor guy, man. Give him a chance. Yeah. Yeah. Fourth fourth offensive coordinator in four years. Yes. That's Let's very see how fair. that turns out. Just like we're going to see with the 49ers. If Trey Lance plays poorly in the first six games and the 49ers are 3-3 three and three or 2-4, and four, you know that that pressure is going to be getting pumped up on the 49ers. To, uh, do, you, do you go make the move to, to Jimmy G? Do we go back to Jimmy G? I know the investment's huge in Trey Lance, huge draft capital, but if you have him sitting there in reserve. Well, here's what Dan Graziano, ESPN NFL insider, said on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max about that potential scenario. I don't think that's the primary motivation. I, I think if they found a trade for Jimmy Garoppolo that they had liked, they would have done it, regardless of Trey Lance and how he's done this offseason. I do not think they went and said, oh, Trey Lance had a rough go of it this camp, so we need to hold on to Jimmy. If that had been the case, Jimmy probably would have had more leverage than be able to get just $6.5 million. So I don't think so, but if they are having any doubts, this gives them a better fallback option than Nate Sudfeld, Brock Purdy, which are the other two quarterbacks on the roster. Yeah, and the, the sound effects you heard there from the, the co-hosts say it all about those other potential backup <laughs> quarterback options. But I do wonder, though, how Trey Lance feels about Jimmy G still being on the team. It, you know, they have totally, they've totally bought into Trey Lance, even before the shoulder surgery, which, Jordan, you think might make, might make Jimmy G not the same guy he was. But even before then, they took Lance third overall and said, this guy's obviously the future of our franchise but still, you know, you got a guy who took this team to a Super Bowl and an NFC championship right over your shoulder probably doesn't do a whole lot for your confidence as the starter. Well, I think that's the thing. Everyone, like, wants to forget, like, it's revisionist history. Like, oh, Jimmy G's, like, you know, sitting on the bench. Uh, how, could, how could he be sitting behind Trey Lance? Or, you know, how could he not get a starting job? Remember, the 49ers, who Kyle Shanahan seems to know a lot about offense, Yes. And pretty good, pretty good at designing, scheming offense and scoring points. Has already made this determination along with the entire organization that they didn't think Jimmy Garoppolo was good enough, right? That they were kind of being held back, pre-injury even by Jimmy Garoppolo. And you could go look in that Super Bowl. There was a there was a deep ball that if you know that that if he yeah. got it downfield, they could have probably beaten the Chiefs in that game like if they if they completed that pass and. So I think they just thought that they were limited. He has limitations, and that's why you're sitting here saying Trey Lance is the clear-cut starter. They need to see if they have a better option than Jimmy G at his pinnacle. And Trey Lance might have no limitations. He might be the new Mr. Unlimited in the NFC West now that Russell Wilson is gone to the AFC and the Broncos. Well, we're going to keep talking about Jimmy G and Cut Day because our next guest has some thoughts. It's Diana Rossini. Joining the show, that's next here on Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. 